Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды. Да царица воскресения Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, костность, невежество, все это, да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего. Пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым. Позволь нам найти светое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную. Великий Бог, Отец Сын Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Евангелие Матфея. The book of Matthew, 5.45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, called to perfection. This commandment presented as a commanding order is the inheritance of saints of all times, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have no part to the inheritance contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. As it relates to fulfilling the required commandment, we are called to be vigilant over the Word of God within our heart. As God is vigilant over His spoken Word in the temple of our body, because God has magnified His Word above all His names, and that's in our temple, and, his, and this temple is our body. He is not <clears throat> vigilant over His Word somewhere independently. When we place His Word into our heart, then God is vigilant over that Word that it be fulfilled. Those promises that we receive and keep within our heart and confess them, then God is vigilant over that Word together with us, and we need to be vigilant, and He does. <clears throat> and so relevant to this, we stop to study the following question, what specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that abides within our heart that we are collaborating with? This righteousness, it is called to send the blessing of the Son upon the righteous and burn with its fire 
the unrighteous. It is called to send rain for the righteous in time or timely and in measure and for the unrighteous either flood them so that they are eliminated. That is the essence of God's perfection. He is vigilant over His word. He has judged this world and all those who violate His commandments is cursed. And so saying that God loves everyone in general, this is how people interpret it, but God looks at it very differently. He sends His blessing upon the righteous and sends His Son in a very different way. And so relevant to this, we stop to study the per, uh, the following question, what specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we are called to collaborate with within our heart? And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we in the death of the Lord Jesus died by the law for the law, so that we can receive justification in the new tablets of the covenant, which symbolizes the resurrection of Christ, so we can receive justification, so that we can live for the one that died and resurrected. It is written that he died for our sins and rose for our justification. We receive justification in the new tablets. We can't receive receive justification in the death. He died for our sins and he resurrected for our justification. And so if you separate death and resurrection, then you will not be able to receive anything because people separate them and they say, we in the death receive, but they don't talk about the resurrection. They don't understand that they can't receive justification in the death. In the death, we receive forgiveness of sins but justification we receive in his resurrection. Resurrection is the result of his death. We need to experience the one and the other. If we were submerged into the death, then we absolutely will experience his resurrection within our life. And so, in order to obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant, that to give God the proper foundation, to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the law, but by the righteousness of faith, similar to how he gave it to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. The covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated ones. God's faith, as we know, is the general. It is the word of God that we hear that comes from the mouth of the person whom God has placed so that he can be his mouth, his lips, so he can speak of his perfect will. And our faith is the soldier that says, Lord, I will gladly fulfill whatever you say. When we come to hear the word of God, we need to have a preparedness, a readiness to hear his words. It is specifically by the means of the righteousness of faith that the eternal covenant of peace that contains in itself the imperishable and unsearchable inheritance of peace within the bond of all of the oath promises of God that are concealed within our heart is called to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If we don't have this within our heart, these promises, those commandments, then our thoughts will not be able to be placed into Jesus Christ. 
specifically these commandments that we are receiving, the promises that we are putting into our heart, they specifically give us the ability to place our mind into Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. We note that the fruit of righteousness demonstrated to us in the format of the peace of God that is able to keep our mind in Christ Jesus is the glorious seal of God upon our foreheads, serving as testimony of the fact that we are the holiness of God and the personal possession of God. And this seal of God reveals itself upon our foreheads with spiritual thinking or thinking of what is spiritual, serving as an atmosphere of life and peace within our heart and is the mind of Christ within our spirit. People are always seeking the mark of the beast, but they don't pay attention to the mark of God. I was always confused by this. Why they, when they interpret the mark of the beast uh, in watches and passports, we had within our church a person that he that had two uh, verdicts. Uh, one was he kept ripping up his passport, and he was taken to court for that. And the church understood that to be fine. They would interpret it as. A mark of the beast, so they look in watches, they look in passports, they look, and unfortunately, these not very intelligent people, they they think it's a chip now that they uh, put into you, and that this chip can also even be in a liquid form, a liquefied uh, form, they say. If the vaccine has a chip, you can put it into any water then, or any other liquid, why does the government need to be so foolish as to put it into a vaccine that you're afraid of? They're going to put it into water that you uh, drink from right out of your faucet. If it was possible to control you through such a liquefied chip, it's not possible. You, If you have a bank card, you have a chip. If you have any other kind of cards, mostly they have chips in them, but you're always afraid of chips. Even, even though in your wallet you have a lot of chips and they don't control you. You can't manipulate the human mind with any type of chip. There is a spiritual chip, which is uh, the mind or the carnal mind. With this type of chip, you can manipulate you. Uh, when the world offers much satisfaction and begins to manipulate the Christian people when they suddenly fall into those things and say, it is God that has blessed us so that we not be poor, the spirit of poverty be gone, we need to have everything the best. Yes, God is not against us having everything the best, but sometimes He doesn't give everyone uh, the, uh, the best things at the same time and not sometimes right away. Sometimes he shows his glory in poverty and then rises them out of it. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. You see, this mark of the beast is in a carnal mind. That is where that is. But they say, well, what about the hand? The hand is when the mark that means the activities, your works that you do, the body is used 
what is on your forehead will also be on your hand. God places the seal upon the hand of every person who belongs to him, but first upon the forehead, because from there everything begins. We confess what we think, we think of what's already in our heart, that's the connection, and then we do, we act accordingly, the thought, the word, the act. And so according to the given place of Scripture, we conclude that people who refuse the condition to have their faith obey the faith of God, that is, the words of the delegated of God, are the very haters of Christ who have the mark of the beast upon their foreheads, who do not have any relation to the infrastructure of the peace of God, and are not able to have it. Because if they receive the mark of the beast already, then that's the end with them. Because God offered his mark, and there's the devil's mark. And I offer life, there's life and death, and I offer you to choose life, God says. And so life is the change mentality. When we are submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus, we arise in a new form, our mind is then renewed by the spirit of our mind and it then can cooperate with our spirit and he collaborates with and our spirit collaborates with the Holy Spirit and our renewed mind collaborates with our uh, spirit and so our words then are controlled by us by your words you are justified and condemned this is what Apostle John writes about this little children it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, the Antichrist, this one who is anti-Christ, one who hates Christ, even now many Antichrists have come, these haters of Christ, by which we know that it is the last hour. And now I always say, pay attention, from where did they come, these many Antichrists? They were always called atheists. Atheists, atheists cannot be an Antichrist. He cannot be the Antichrist because he doesn't believe in the existence of a God. How can he be an Antichrist? They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But that they went out, out and by this it might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Atheists have convinced themselves that God doesn't exist. And when you tell these people, then... Who were who are you battling against? If God doesn't exist, then who are you battling against? Because they were strongly uh, standing upon what they think and fought fought anything else. Uh, I was listening to a lecture, and the teacher uh, was saying, uh, "We have overcome this religious uh, ideas and and things that come with these religious." Uh, from these religious people and so let's now rise our hand and rejoice that we have overcome one did not rise his hand uh, during the process or during the request and he asked him why don't you raise your hand but he said you said he doesn't exist but and so if he doesn't exist who am I rising my hand against but if he is there then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you he says I'm afraid but what if he's there and I just rose my hand against him it's better that I stay neutral he said and so this illogical uh, 
uh, form of mentality. And so even a child was able to uh, question and see through all of the foolishness. I, even as a kid, uh, was able to question them and put them in corners so that they couldn't answer questions and get confused. And so consequently, such people cannot have any relation to the sons of peace either, as the sons of peace, by the means of the peace of God, will inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend well that it is only by the collaboration of our spirit with our renewed mind that is in Christ Jesus that we are able to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. Specifically, this is our primary goal and purpose, not evangelism, not practicing of spiritual gifts, but casting off of yourself the old man with his deeds, renew your mind, and clothe your body into immortality, into your new person. By what signs do we examine ourselves that the power or the powerful peace of God rules within our heart, which then identifies us as the sons of God and as the most holy? To examine your heart as to whether the peace of God rules in it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker, which characterizes us as the sons of God. As it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. People that are able to perform peace toward one another, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. And so people who spread about one another a negative thing that they make others uh, think negatively negatively about other members they will not they are not peacemakers and so be careful when you say something about one another even things that may be true it's better to cover your mouth because God protects that person he's still in the church there is a cloud over them and God doesn't see sins in him when he's under God's protection the Israelites take, took out with them the star of the god Remphane, and they and God was saying they have no witchcraft in them, they have nothing, I don't see it. Why? Because they were under his cloud, and those who would come out from under the cloud, those would die. All those who fell in the wilderness, they did not come out from under the cloud. These were people who were saved as as in the blink of an eye, they were saved. And so when there's a sin that is against a person of God, these sins are not forgiven. If it was not intentional, it's one thing. It's a sin, but not sin uh, sin to death. A person comes to his senses, but when it's an intentional uh, uh, act against God's person, uh, then he has come against or risen against God himself. Moses says, do not rise against the Lord when they were rising against him and against Aaron. In a particular format, we already looked at six of the signs, the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore the sons of God, and we stopped to study the seventh sign. And this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. And so God's love has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit, and with this love we confess it and we clothe ourselves into this love. We proclaim who God is for us in Jesus Christ, what He has done for us in Christ Jesus. This is God's love. 
has done it for us. And when we confess the faith of our heart, the Holy Spirit receives the proper foundation that He needs to clothe us into those words. And so from the words we say, we are condemned or justified that upon the condition they come from our heart. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. And so the peace of God is able to be within our heart, only in church, uh, only within the body. When we uh, separate ourselves from the union of the faith and begin to rise against God's delegated ones or something is in wrong in the church, what is it here, what kind of uh, structure you have here, what kind of... When a person is corrected because of an injustice he has done towards somebody in the church, they start complaining against the church itself and then they repent uh, and why? Because they're still in the church, and so they have to correct their way. We note that in Scripture, this selective love, this holy holy love, holy as selective, it separates the holy from unholy, or pure from impure, it's, that's why it's selective, is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues and characteristics, by the preached words spoken by the apostles and prophets. And so the fruits of love and they're written in 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8 virtue, knowledge, self-control they all come one from the other they confirm the truthful nature of one the other perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness and love we already looked at five of the qualities that give us open access into the kingdom of heaven because not evangelism, not practicing of spiritual gifts not rebuking of demons or any other study upon our streets or learning on our streets and because there are not streets there's only one street where God uh, the Lord teaches and so a changed character is what we need a changed character is an open door into the kingdom when we have these virtues within ourselves they're dissolved in us and they're in balance perfect balance with one another in ourselves then the kingdom of heaven will be open for us. Relevant to this, we studied four classical questions or have been studying. What do the scriptures say about the origin and nature of the essence of the fruit of virtue, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose in demonstrating our faith? Is the love of God agape called to fulfill, coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to receive the power to demonstrate uh, brotherly love in our faith? By what signs can we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith? As the first two questions were already studied in the previous services, we have been studying the que- uh, question three. And so we need to keep in mind, I just want to say again, and I want to note that these conditions are individual elements of a whole and do not work one without the other as they come one from the other and identify the truthful nature of one the other. The first condition giving out the the proper foundation to pour out his love into our heart is our hunger and our decision to be born from the imperishable seed of the preached to us word. Specifically, our hunger and our decision that follows to know and perform the will of God was foreseen and foreknown by God before the creation of the world, which provided God the proper foundation He needs to identify us in advance so that we can be in the likeness of His Son. 
Second condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out His love into our heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love is the need to demonstrate salt in your faith. And so when it says within the atmosphere of brotherly love, that's within the boundaries of the body of Christ, is the need to demonstrate again salt in our faith and the fruits of holiness that we have grown. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew 5.13 And so people who will not have in themselves salt, but considers themselves a Christian, will be cast out from the church and will be trampled by men. According to the revelations of Scripture, the presence of salt representing the quality of holiness is formed in man because of when he places himself on the altar upon the fire, salt forms only upon the altar during the fire because of his total dedication to God, which preceded total sanctification, making him an island that from all sides is being washed by the purifying waters of sanctification. I trust that I don't need to uh, explain uh, in more detail of, of the island because we've talked about this uh, previously. Specifically, presenting your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God for good service, clothes us into the virtue of the fruit of holiness, which makes us a salt for the earth, and therefore defines the soil of our heart as good and wise. For everyone will be seasoned with fire. That means fire of the altar, upon the altar, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Mark 9, 49, 50. This means that the quality of holiness and the quality of peace, they are one together. They're not without the other one. You can't have holiness without God's peace in the heart, and you can't have peace without the holiness of God. If you say you have God's peace, but you don't have the ability to demonstrate holiness in brotherly love and with others around you, then that means you don't have peace within yourself. We've noted then, uh, we once noted that all of the sheep by nature are pure animals. The one that becomes holy, however, is the one that is separated for a burnt offering upon the altar of burnt offering, so that it can be seasoned with the salt of the covenant. And so, do not uh, keep away or keep uh, or offer a sacrifice without the salt. You always need to sprinkle it with salt, the offering. It was a requirement. It's demonstrating the fact that there is God's holiness present and it's being brought, being brought upon the condition of holiness. Because of this, we can conclude that if our offering, which is our prayer intercession, is not offered upon the fire of the altar of burnt offering, that means in the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> the fire of the altar is the Holy Spirit. Just as uh, Jacob prayed, he says, you fought... Uh, you, you, you wrestled with God, if you remember, it said he wasn't wrestling against God or, or he wasn't his opponent. They together were wrestling against his 
personal soul, his nature. And so he allowed the Holy Spirit to battle together with him. And so this place of scripture need not be confused that God or Jacob uh, wrestled against God. If uh, Jacob tried to wrestle against God, God would have rejected him completely forever. If you remember uh, Saul, which later became Paul, Jesus came to him in a vision uh, and asked him what he was doing. And so he uh, pretty much did what... Uh, uh, what if you if you ever have ever seen the uh, bull, uh, bulls and how they're being tamed, uh, they use specific tools. That's kind of how he did it with Saul, and he gave that example to him as well. And Paul immediately fell down and said, "Lord, what you tell me to do, I'll do." God forgave Saul because who became Paul because it wasn't from his heart. It was not an intentional uh, a resistance that he had against God or against Christ. And so when our offering is brought upon the altar, we pray together with the Holy Spirit so that we can be salted with the fire of holiness, with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Then we then receive the right to be an intercessor in the status of a warrior in prayer in the virtue of a priest of God in adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. If we don't have within our prayer uh, the salt of holiness, then we then don't have the right to be called a, an intercessor or a priest or come into God's presence. And consequently, although we are born from the seed of the word of truth, we do not have then the ability or legitimate status to enter the temple in order to approach God until we leave spiritual infancy where we stumble and are attracted by various winds of teaching. We listen to one, third, fourth, fourth all these uh, people. There was a member of our church and she came to me and said, if you said if I listen to other, you said if I listen to other preachers, then such people need to leave the church. And so I'm leaving the church because I think this is not true or correct. I listen to other preachers, and I like listening to them. And I told her, the door is open. No one is closing it if someone wants to exit or enter. You entered incorrectly, because if you entered correctly, you would not be exiting. You unlawfully entered, you came in through the window rather than through the door. Holiness is the state of our heart, which is possible if the peace of God rules in our heart, which demonstrates itself in the legitimate words of prayer that comes from our heart in the form of the faith of God, which are then followed by acts which draw God's favor upon us. Pursue peace. And so apply all your efforts, your energy, your means to have peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, Hebrews 12, 14. You can have peace, but it says, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. This talks about the fact that 
if we try to demonstrate peace out of the boundaries of holiness and not as an expression of holiness, then this transforms us into the sons of resistance and sons of destruction. Demonstrating the fruit of holiness in the legitimate words of prayer is demonstrating the righteousness of a faith, confirming our origin in God, giving us the right to make a new covenant with God, which is a covenant of eternal peace. Specifically, God has put everything in His covenant, and based upon His covenant, we are able to use the unsearchable treasure of Christ. Further, we've noted that only holy people possess the legitimate right to present holy truth, holy truth within their faith, while fulfilling a total form of sanctification that pursues the goal of total dedication in order to serve the true and living God. I shall remind us that the word holy, when it comes to man that is born from the seed of the word of truth, is one who is born from God, born for God, one who comes from God, one belonging to God, one abiding in God, the personal possession and holiness of God, redeemed by God, separated for God, dedicated to God, <clears throat> the likeness of God, entering the lot of God or inheriting one lot with God, sharing the power of authority with God. And so this is what God prepared for His saints. But we receive this holy uh, life in the form of a seed and it is necessary to turn to profit what we receive. The seed needs to be grown so you receive fruit from it. The seed needs to die so that it can bear fruit. In order to turn to profit something, you need to lose this something. And so when you uh, get money in order to invest it into a business, you lose that money. If you chose or selected the wrong business to be in, you will lose that money. It's talking about such a a a form of investment that you will never lose. If you put your money into the death of the Lord Jesus, uh, we speak symbolically, you don't need to be afraid because uh, in the death, God will re had resurrected him and you in his resurrection will receive then profit. You will receive righteousness and salvation as your own, not just in the form of a seed, but as fruit. And so one that is holy, one that belongs to God, that enters into God's lot to all, all of this, this will then become ours. The word holy identifies the inner state of our heart, making our heart then identical to the heart of God. At the same time, the word holiness identifies the demonstration of this state of the heart, which serves as an argument of our belonging and our origination in God and from God, which gives us the right to be warriors in prayer in the status of a king, priest, and prophet, giving God the proper foundation to turn His goodness upon us. Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Psalm 17, 5, 6. He says, For you will hear me. Why does he say it like that? For you will hear me, he says. Because he's saying the words that come from his heart. He's placed the word of God in his heart and he's praying those words. Prayer is the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God that is put into our heart and afterwards is confessed with our mouth. This is what prayer is. In scripture, the praying phrase to bow down the heavens 
that is spoken to man, uh, by man to God, means he will listen attentively to a praying person. He will turn his eyes for good for the praying person. He will become a stronghold or a place of refuge for a warrior in prayer. He will become a covering for a praying person. He will occupy a circle of defense around a warrior in prayer. He will make the enemies of a warrior in prayer flee. He shall strike the enemies of a warrior in prayer. In order to provide God with the proper foundation to incline his ear to our prayers, it is necessary to present the argument of your origin to him in the grown by us fruit of holiness within brotherly love as well as out of it. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life, Romans 6.22. When we bear fruits of holiness, uh, we need to be uh, cast off the old man uh, with his deeds and afterwards you become a servant to God. And becoming a servant to God, you then can grow the fruits of holiness. The end of this fruit, the results of this fruit will be eternal life or everlasting life. And so if a person does not become free from governing sin within his body by the way of casting off of the old man where he counts himself dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming that non-existent stronghold of incorruption within his body as existing, he will not be able to become a servant of God in order to demonstrate the salt of holiness and to comprehend the essence and difference between the definition of holy and the definition of holiness in our relationship with God, it is necessary for us to answer a series of questions. What does it make of itself? What is it? And how is the characteristic of the love of God and holiness identified? What purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill in the relationship of God with man and man with God? What price needs to be paid in order to demonstrate the love of God and holiness, in order to collaborate with the holiness of God? And by what signs are we to examine ourselves that we have the presence of salt within ourselves indicating holiness? In a specific format, we already studied the first two questions and stopped to study the third question, what price do we need to pay in order to receive the right to the power to demonstrate the fruit of holiness in our faith within brotherly love? We have already looked at six of the components of this price, giving us the right to demonstrate the fruit of holiness in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith. Therefore, we will immediately begin studying the seventh component of the price. It consists in us being able to understand the given to us salvation in the forgiveness of our sins freely by the grace of God in Christ Jesus. The prophecy of Zechariah, the priest, and so John the Baptist's father, he is a great uh, prophet in the New Testament. He, uh, in the Old Testament, he is the greatest prophet. And here uh, John the Baptist was, and here's his, the uh, what it says about his father. Now his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, God of warriors and prayer. Blessed is the Lord, 
who is the uh, of of the warriors in prayer, not just those that are in Israel who have the faith of Abraham. For he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that he would be, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of all of our enemies, might serve him without, a, without fear. You see what promise Zechariah looked upon or looked at to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life this is what he says and you shall and you child will be called the prophet of the highest for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the, rede- by the remission of their sins. Luke 1, 67 through 77. To be given knowledge of, the, of salvation in the forg- forgiveness of sins, freely by grace, where we, by knowing the truth that reveals the purpose of the cross of Christ, are separated from the manufacturer of sin. This is that element of the price that gives us the right to the power to serve God in holiness and righteousness before Him in all the days of our life until a person by the cross of the Lord Jesus or the truth of the cross of Christ will be separated from the manufacturer of sin within his body, that is the old person, he will not be able to serve God in holiness holiness and righteousness. This is one of the fundamental paradigms or one of the fundamental examples in constructing yourself into a house of God and holy priesthood. Therefore, even a small deviation or perversion when receiving this truth will interfere in our ability to understand our salvation and forgiving our sins freely by grace so that we can serve God in holiness and righteousness all of our days. Romans 10, 1-4 Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. We need to understand that the factor of continuity of grace exists that comes from the law, that because of the fault of carnal ignorant men that have taken hold of the reins of control in the churches of saints, when they receive their salvation, they don't take that into account. And when they read the given place of scripture, they don't apply it to themselves, but to the Israel that lived during Christ's time. We ask the question, what is the essence of the continuity of grace that is contained in the symbol of the law of Moses? The answer is this, that when you are born from the seed of the word of truth, the status of being born from God as well as our justification that we have received in our new birth are given to us in the form of a seed, which is the guarantee of our salvation. Salvation itself is given to us in the format of a guarantee, but does not give us the legitimate right to own the given justification that is in it. Just as 
as a guarantee for a house, you put the down payment, you still don't have the right to fully own the house until you pay the remaining amount owed. And to receive justification that is given to us in salvation, the, the fullness of justification we're talking about here, that is given. So it can be our own, that is given to us in salvation in the form of a guarantee as something that is ours. It is necessary to turn it to profit in the death of the Lord Jesus by rejecting our nation, the house of our Father, and corrupt desires of our soul, so that we can receive profit in the grown fruit of righteousness that will allow the grace of God to reign within our heart. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 20, 21. And so as it says here, the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And so you can see here that grace reigns not through the seed of justification when we're born by the seed of truth. We Grace is not yet in us. Yes, we've received by grace his salvation, but we receive it in the form of a guarantee, a seed. And so to receive our salvation as something of our own, that's a confirmation of it, we need to receive fruit of just justification. And so when grace reigns, then this will be the, uh, the reign of God's peace. And there we will be able to serve God in holiness and righteousness. We need to apprehend well within our heart as well as in our mind the procedure of the continuity of the law of grace and the law of condemnation because us being under the guard of the law is called to lead us to Christ. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. And they often apply this to the time of the law, but not to themselves. And it's dangerous. You need to apply this to yourself. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Galatians 3, 23 through 25. And so the word of God is placed into our heart by obeying our faith to God's faith. When we are born from the seed of the word of truth, our spirit becomes different in the essence of its origin as well as in its natural essence, which reveals itself in our mortal body in the life of resurrection. <clears throat> but our soul and our body remain the same or do not have eternal life in them, not in their origination of the, or in their natural essence. And consequently, not our soul or our body in the moment of our birth from God are able to, in the moment, to be clothed into the resurrection of Christ. Therefore, if our soul will not be clothed by the way of renewing our mind in salvation, and our body will not be adopted by the redemption of Christ, we will lose the guarantee of our salvation. And our names will then forever be blotted out of the book of life. Apostle Paul writes, Romans 7, 14 through 25, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. 
for what I am doing I do not understand, for what I will to do that I do not practice. He's not talking about people that were under the law. He was talking about Christians. He's talking about those who have repented, received Jesus Christ, who have been baptized in the name of Jesus in water, have been uh, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about them, that the law continues to, the law of holiness continues in them because they do they they practice what they do not will to do but what they will to do they do not practice they do not do and so good doesn't always mean when we're talking about good this doesn't mean that uh, you do something give someone something if you want to fulfill God's commandment then nothing will be in the way if I am not sold to sin if I am freed from sin if I am freed from the old person but I was born from the old with the old person. My spirit became different, but my soul and my body remained the same. And in my body, sin is governing. The old person is governing. And I'm doing not what I want to do. And when I do it, then I agree then with the law. If then I do what I will, will not to do, I agree with the law that is that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what it is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will to do, or evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. And so, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. And here it's talking about delighting in the law of God, not in emotions or other things, but in his law. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And so we need to agree that the flesh continues to serve the law of sin, and we need to do something about it. We need to, with our mind, begin to serve the law of God. And by serving the law of God, we then subject our soul and our flesh to God's law. And this is possible by submerging them into the death of Jesus Christ. So that we do not stick our head in the sand as ostriches do when they see their enemy coming against them. 
but rather explain the reason for the situation that is presented in the continuity of the law of grace from the law of sin and death, when our spirit that lives within our mortal body becomes different in its origination as well as its state presenting with itself and in itself the eternal life of God where the law of holy truth abides, the law of holy truth immediately reveals the living in our body governing sin that is our old person and gives power to this sin. And the old person then begins to trust upon this law and make it his own armor. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. 1 Corinthians 15.56 Therefore the law of holy truth that abides within our spirit from the seed of which we have been born to a new life becomes the armor of the old person upon which the old person relies. And the old person that lives within our body in the form of governing sin becomes because of the law of holiness that abides within our spirit becomes our husband being uh, our legitimate husband being in such a state or situation the desired self to belong to Christ and then becomes sin because the law of holiness identifies it as the sin of fornication or do you not know brethren for I speak to those who know the law that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives for the woman who has a husband is bound to the law or bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives the one who governs in us is the husband but if the husband dies and this is possible when we die for the law by the law and it needs to be explained and clear how upon practice we do this how can we die for the law by the body of Christ how upon practice we can submerge our soul and our body and our spirit into the death of the Lord Jesus in order to reobtain it in a new form in a new way but if the husband dies she is released from the law of her husband so then if while her husband lives she marries another man she will be called an adulteress but if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. That is, married Christ. Romans 7, 1 through 3. According to, to the demands of the norms of the law of holiness, in order to belong to Christ, it is necessary by the body of Christ to die for the law of holiness, so that upon the rights of the law of holiness you can belong to Christ. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Only then can we bear fruit to God. Before that time we bear fruit, but not to God. For when we were in the flesh, it's not talking about when we were not Christian. It's talking about when we haven't, we haven't yet died in the death of the Lord Jesus to the law. We were born, born from the seed of the word of truth, but we had, we had not yet died. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Romans 7, 4 through 6. He describes or illustrates this picture of a person that is born from God and that is under the law. But these poor people have been taught that they're under grace and they believed in that and now it's difficult to uh, change that in their mind and when you tell them this they become unhappy and, and they begin to yell 
I remember once I was invited to speak and they asked me a question about salvation. I said not uh, many will be saved, only those that are chosen. Those uh, in charge began to shout and scream, who are you that you forbid us entering to the kingdom? And I said, it is not I that forbid you. The word of God is written. That's what I'm reading. It's easier to believe that you're just under grace because you don't have to pay a price for that. Uh, But here you have to pay a price if you follow the truth. Uh, Their flesh helps them evangelize, pray, uh, do good uh, things. They're clothed into religious garments. And as soon as we're born again, the new, the old person begins to take the form of an angel of light. And this unclean begins to present it as the Holy Spirit itself, as the Holy Spirit. And so they say, the Holy Spirit revealed this to me, and I responded. But this doesn't happen. Con- a conversation with the Holy Spirit in such a form, in such a way, is not possible and will ne- has never existed. I told this that I told him something, he responded in the way that they describe it, that doesn't happen. And so sinful lusts are then revealed when we we, we confront them. They, they, until this time, help us pray, help us serve God as it seems, but as soon as we understand that we haven't yet served God, that these were dead works, that we need to die to them. Then he cast off the mask that he had, and we see then the bloody fangs and then the, and the tail. <clears throat> I know what I'm saying when I say these things. I physically have met I've <clears throat> I've seen the uh, the cherubim that fell from heaven. Every cell of my body was shaking from horror. But in my spirit, I had great might, and I came directly at him, and he looked at me very, very, uh, in a very mockery way, very, can you go against me? And I said, I can, and I went. And I said, in the name of Jesus. And we almost, when we came almost in contact with one another, I saw how his face changed and became very afraid. And he, with the, in the blink of an eye, vanished. This was a very, very uh, horrific moment. Because to defend the old person, the all of hell will come, including the cherubim himself. This terrifying and revealing process presented in the confrontation of two people within our body that are warring one against the other for the right to the power to rule over our body is very well presented in one of the parables of Christ. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in place. The strong man, this is the old person, reigning sin in our body. And the armor that he has is the law of holiness that gives power to sin. But when a stronger than, than he comes upon him and overcomes him, someone who is stronger than him needs to come. 
Then he comes upon him and overcomes him. He takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with with me scatters. Luke 11, 21 through 23. He will take the armor from him. You remember Goliath with the sword. This is a symbol of holiness, symbol of the law. Goliath is, is a symbol of the law. David comes out. In him is the stronger one, but he doesn't see that stronger one in David. He continues to mock him. What are you coming out? Am I a dog? You come out with a stick against me? But he says, you're not a dog. I, you are worse than a dog. Today, I will take your body. I will, I will give your body today to the birds. And the Philistine uh, came against him, and and David found the five smooth stones, acknowledging uh, the delegated authority over yourself. That's what it symbolizes, the five stones. And he then uh, kills him. He takes out a sling, and he and he kills him with the stone. And David then runs, he falls, Goliath falls, and David then runs up to him, and he chops off Goliath's head with his with Goliath's sword. And then he grabs his Goliath's sword, and they went after the Philistines. And so the strong man that is fully armed guarding his palace is the old person as governing sin for whom our body is a house. And out of which he is out of our out of our bar, of our body, he in no way is able to demonstrate himself or his essence or govern over us. Only within our body can he demonstrate himself and govern us. God also is not able to demonstrate himself out of us. The armor that the old man relies upon and with which he protects our body from the power of Christ, which is our new person, the power of Christ, our new person, because our new person demonstrates it, is the law of holiness within our spirit, giving him power to keep us in slavery, which demonstrates itself in the dependence of our nation, the house of our father, and from the corrupt desires of our soul. One that is stronger is Christ, that is our sacred person, that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ. The victory of the stronger one, who is our new person in Christ Jesus, consists in this, that he will receive the ability to collaborate with the intelligent or rational abilities of our soul because of the fact that we obey our faith to the faith of God and have lost our soul in the death of Christ in order to reobtain it in the resurrection in a new form. Collaborating with the mind of our soul that is renewed by the resurrection of Christ our new person receives the rod of our mouth that he can use so that he can confess the faith of God that is in his essence. In this way, obeying your faith to the faith of God, we begin to count ourselves dead for the governing sin within our body and living for God, proclaiming that not-existent stronghold of life within our body as existent. This has given us the ability as the stronger one to attack the strong one and take the armor that he trusted in and take power over the body. Confessing the faith of God that abides within the entrails of our sacred person become, became that armor with which we share with Christ the taken by sin, soul, and body, confirming therefore our calling and our election in Christ Jesus. 
A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12, 35-37 Idle words are words that are not within your heart, but are only in Scripture. They take words that are in Scripture, people take, and then confess them and they're not in our heart and they think they'll have victory there's no fruit we haven't received it in the form of a seed and grown it into fruit because the fruit will overcome first we will remember that the words with which we are called to justify ourselves obtain their legitimate power when we are in Christ or in the body of Christ and Christ lives within our body what does it mean to be in Christ is to be in the church to be a organic member of the church the what the good wife the narrow gate and Christ living within our body when this is so that our words that we are to justify ourselves so that they can receive the legitimate power Christ living within us only after we have been crucified with Christ for I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.19.20 And so to be crucified with Christ is when you have uh, refused your nation, the house of your father, rejected them, and your life in the flesh. When you in the body of Christ died to the law, only then does Christ enter my heart as the Holy Spirit, and He comes uh, with the right of a master that uh, is in us. The death of Christ within us provides the Holy Spirit the right foundation to clothe us into Christ or to place us into Christ. To be crucified with Christ, where we by the law die for the law, makes our heart a stronghold for Christ, which gives God the proper foundation to clothe us into the life of Christ, and He becomes our stronghold. Abiding in the death of Christ by being crucified with Christ, we receive the proper foundation to carry within ourselves the death of Christ, which gives the Holy Spirit the right foundation to to demonstrate the life of Jesus within our body. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it, it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anything does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loves me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 4-12 According to this principle, until we make the decision to place ourselves into the death of Jesus so that we can abide in His death and in this way, by the law, die for the law, the Holy Spirit will not have any 
uh, ability or grounds to clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. Second, the words with which we are to justify ourselves obtain their legitimate power when we confess them in the format of the faith of God that abides in our heart. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, these words will come from your heart. You will be saved that God has raised him from the dead. We receive the promise in the resurrection. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9, 10. When we confess a promise that is absent in our heart, that is not in our heart, in the format of the abiding in our heart, faith of God, then we are proclaiming idle words will then be, which will then be incriminated to us as sin. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12, 36, 37. Third, words by which we are called to justify ourselves are the armor and the price that gives us the right and power to demonstrate the holiness of the love of God in brotherly love as well as with others around us. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12:14. If we will not understand the goal for which we are called to demonstrate the holiness of the love of God in brotherly love and with those around us, then we will have then the unfortunate uh destiny as the one in the parable of Christ who didn't understand the goal of his dedication that was called to be the goal of his the sanctification for dedication encounters uh, are made uh, sanctification for the sake of sanctification and so they perform uh, miracles they rebuke demons they practice spiritual gifts they don't sanctify for the purpose of dedicating their life uh, so they can die for their dead works they sanctify uh, themselves so they can perform dead works and then this sanctification is no longer sanctification and then this person becomes in the likeness of this person when an unclean spirit goes out of a man he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none he says I will return to my house from which I came and this old person, the unclean spirit, and when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the words of God and keep it. Luke 11, 24 through 28. And so this person cleansed himself, but didn't cleanse himself according to the word. They didn't listen to the word of God. And the old person then returned and took seven more, more evil than himself. And the end was very unfortunate. According to this parable, sanctification that pursues the goal of the work of evangelism, practicing of spiritual gifts, uh, rebuking of demons, and materialistic prosperity gives for the spirit of deception the proper foundation he needs to enter into a person, and then the last state of this person will be worse than the first. Sanctification where a person pursues the goal to purify himself from sins, but not separating himself from the manufacturer of sin, replacing it with the service of evangelism and practicing of spiritual gifts, is the most terrible form of deception, and they will perish. 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 24-27 According to this command that is addressed to the disciples, the door that leads to the treasury, that is the truth of the blood of Christ, is collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, where we are called to lose our soul so that we can reobtain it once again in His resurrection. From this we conclude that understanding our salvation and the forgiveness of sins, which is the price for the right to perform holiness and demonstrating faith in our brotherly love, is placed in direct dependence of understanding the separation of ourselves from the carrier and the manufacturer of sin, which is the old person with his deeds. Amen. Let us bend our knees and pray, or our heads, and we shall pray. And we wait for you here at the altar so that those that want to be free from the lust of sin within their body, be free from all forms of fear. It's not important what sins may have been committed. You can be free from them. You can reject them. You can uh, repent for them. And after that, if you start counting yourself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim that non-existence, uh, stronghold of incorruption in your body, you will see a great change. And God will be your God. And let us bend our knees and pray. We wait for you here at the altar. I am going to pray your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He is not against you. He is looking not as much on your sins but upon your hunger to be righteous, to hallow Him with your righteous works. He loves you. He sees your dependence and He's ready to free you if you will be obedient to his words, count yourself dead to sin, living for him, and proclaiming the not-existent stronghold of immortality as existent, let us close our eyes, lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart 
You see, it is wounded by sin. It is wounded by my <coughs> passions and my lusts, which I hate, and that I cannot be freed from if you don't help me. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus Christ. Separate me from my old person, the manufacturer of sin. I hate him. I die in the death, in your death, for this reigning sin, governing sin in my body. And I rise in your resurrection, justified. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May you stand upon the neck of your enemy, and may you behead him. May the Lord of joy and peace be in your heart, and may your body be adopted by the redemption of Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, may all of the blessings be upon you, upon you and your children, and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. Every time, by listening to the Word of God, God more clearly and clearly uh, legalizes His stronghold within you. He establishes it within you. You begin to understand that process, how it happens, what you need to do, and how you need to behave yourself, what you need to say, how you need to say it, how you need to behave, toward your horse or which you need to restrain your discipline, your emotional aspect so that you bring it and serve God properly. May the Lord be blessed that in what we hear, what is our treasure, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>